Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 135 in Edmonton. Edmonton and Columbus again. Jody Shelley coming up at uh, 147 today. Uh, the Oilers obviously in dire straits to make the playoffs right now. Their two other organizations are doing really good. The uh, Bakersfield Condors 21-2-1 in their last 24 games. And the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, a huge surprise this year. 40-plus years, they win the Central Division. Uh, they got a deep set of forwards, and they open up their playoff series against the Medicine Hat Tigers, winners of the Central. Uh, they'll take on a team they went 5-0-1 against this year, starting Saturday night at 7.30. Then they play Sunday as well. To talk about the Oil Kings, their president GM, Kurt Hill. Kurt, uh, so now we're into the second season. When you took the job and you're at the draft table, the Bantam draft last year in May, but it wasn't announced until after your uh, uh, duties with the Chicago Blackhawks had ended. Could you have envisioned having this sort of first year as a, a GM uh, with a, a team that had finished uh, you know, 22nd out of 22 teams last year? Well, to say that I thought we were going to win the division, I'd pr- probably be lying to you in saying that. But to say that I thought we'd be in a spot to be in a playoff position and be in the playoffs, you know, I thought we had the group here to do that with um, really evaluating the roster there early on. Some of the 20-year-olds that we were able to acquire at the draft last year, um, we knew that we'd probably be in a spot to get in. Really? So, because you, you get Lachievo and Benjafeld at the draft, and during the season, uh, you added uh, Andrew Fighton, uh, who maybe shored some things up for you, gave you a little bit different dynamic as well. I mean, your forward group, and I mean, we got Columbus here tonight. Fix Wolanski is the top player in the entire Eastern Conference, 100 plus points. Your forward group is a deep, deep set of forwards right now. I mean, you guys can roll four lines deep. Yeah, no, and we do. Brad plays them all. They play all four lines, and you know, even the um, the Alistrov, Pavlenko, Atkinson line. It seemed like the last 20 games they were really starting to contribute, and then you know, you got um, those big lines really firing on all cylinders right now. So when you're able to play four lines and you don't have you don't have guys sitting on the bench majority of the game when he's playing five minutes. You know, we really roll them. They, we're getting guys out there, and even our D group, you know, we think we have a real solid D group veteran group back there, and, you know, we're deep in that position as well. So we, we really like where we're at as a team right now. Uh, I did, now, did I see Dylan Gunther come into the building today? Yeah, that's right. Okay, when's he eligible to play for you? When's the season done playing? I, I, I don't even. Was it? Is he in midget triple? Is it? How does that league work that he's in? Yeah, the Canadian Sports School Hockey League. So they had their championships over the over the past week. So Gunther's team won the the midget championships. Okay. Um, so he's up with the team now. Keegan Slaney's up with the team. Our two first rounders from last year. So um, going into the playoffs right now, they're going to be here. Just be around the group. Um, Are they out? El- so they're out. El- they're both eligible to play. They're eligible to play. So we're not. They're not going to play right away here. We are a deep group. We have extras on up front and the back end. So right now uh, we're going to go with the guys who have been here all season. Um, 
Were you with, am I dating? No, you probably weren't. Uh, you were with Kelowna, but uh, do you recall when Kootenai had Sam Reinhardt playing as a 15-year-old? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it's not like it hasn't happened before. And with all due respect to Sam, Dylan Gunther might be more of an advanced player at this stage than if I recall Sam was at it. I mean, Sam, Dylan can really shoot the puck. No, oh, for sure, for sure. And I think it's uh, he's an exceptional player. We think Keegan Slaney's an exceptional player too. Uh, you know, a lot of it goes to these guys just ended their seasons. They had long stretches of their own, yep. and they haven't been around the system all year. And, you know, we right want to integrate them a bit? Yeah, you want to integrate them a bit, and it's playoff hockey. It's another step. So not to say that they we don't we feel like those players probably could step in and play, but at the same time, we're really confident with the group we've had. And, I mean, we've won 11 games in a row right now going into the playoffs, so we got a pretty good thing going. So we're going to go with that lineup. You mentioned Brad. Brad is Brad Lauer. That's the head coach. Uh, he was an assistant last year for John Cooper in Tampa, previously an NHL assistant in Anaheim. How important has he been to this turnaround, and what are the sort of reoccurring themes that he has brought as a head coach to your group? No, very important, you know, and the head coach is, you know, he, he commands the room there, and there's a lot of respect from the players to him. The guys know where they stand every day, and, you know, his system, the high the high tempo that we play and the honesty that guys are, are asked to play with out there. And, you know, the, one of the biggest things with him is, the ability for him to allow players to play with creativity but still play an honest game at the same time still be responsible 200 feet but be creative at the same time which is huge in junior hockey and i think it uh, speaks dividends to some of the offensive years that some of our players were were able to have this year just the ability to go out there and try things all right so uh, i know for a fact that uh, in the orders bob nicholson today speaking at the uh, season seat holder event uh, talked about the fact that the organization was going to recommit itself back to analytics a little bit. Not that they make all the all decisions are based on numbers, but, uh, you know, it's certainly going to be deployed as a tool. And one of the presentations that was provided to Peter Shirelli when he first took over talked about the fact that uh, a reoccurring failure in the long-term prospect base um, that occurs in a multitude... We just had Brian Burke on. His team did made the same mistake. Is they prop up bigger, heavier players that don't have the statistical numbers to support it. So in other words, they move a guy up that's ranked 40th to, and and take him 31st. And that happened with David Musil and that happened with Mitch Moraz. And those guys didn't put up big offensive numbers in their draft year. So I'm going to relay that because you've got your guys' year, what, how long until the Bantam draft are we looking at here? About a month May, and a half. May 2nd, yeah. So about a month and a half away. So your scouts, I mean, you just talked about that series wrapping up last week. Your scouts are all over. The, how many scouts you got right now for the Oil Kings? Uh, a, full and part-time. Well, we got one. We got our director of scouting full time, and then we got about fourteen guys. Fourteen guys yeah. out there. Okay, yeah. so they're all over the place blanketing. Uh, one of the factors would be, I mean, we have a situation where Savoy just declared. Uh, is his name Matthew Savoy? Matthew Savoy. Okay, he just not that you would get him because you'd have no chance to get him in this year's, but he's declared for Denver. So if you're a team that ends up winning the theoretically the WHL uh, lottery, this is a guy that wanted to go the exceptional player route and play as a, a 15-year-old in your league, would you back off him because of that commitment level? I mean, that's, you know, Bob Torrey and Tri-Cities still drafted Jonathan Taze third overall in the WHL Bantam draft, never got him to play. So how would a guy handle that situation, that scenario? Yeah, I think, well, in regards to the Taze situation, I think when, when Bob Torrey drafted Taze, he was committed to the league. Yeah. So he drafted him thinking he was going to come 100%, and then yeah. there were some things that might have potentially happened afterwards that ref- deferred him to the other way. But with Savoy, I mean, Winnipeg won the lottery yesterday. so Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, there so Winnipeg won. So they're, I mean, so they're going to have a decision they have to make. I mean, he's right now he's committed to, to going to Is school. that the biggest challenge for managers in the league and scouting staffs in the league is knowing who's more likely to come? What, like, 
What percentage of kids right now are going to the Western Hockey League? Oh, still the statistics are well over 90. For If you're talking the top three-round players yeah. at drafting, I'm gonna I'm just going to go with that because those are the guys more that are yeah. – teams are more likely to try to sign right away and yep. it's, it's over 90 percent so i think uh last year um in the draft every single first rounder signed so every guy's coming to the league so it goes in dips i mean um for for the savoy situation i mean winnipeg's gonna have to do it they're gonna have to talk to them they're gonna have to talk to the agency group and they're gonna have to find out if if it's he's willing to do that but at the same time when i when you have that, that good of a player there sitting there i don't know it's a it's a big time decision you got to make as an organization if you knew 100 percent that he was coming to the league would he be the number one pick regardless of Yes. No question. No question. Same as Gunther was last year. Was he the consensus number one pick last year? Well, last year I think it was Gunther or Lambos. Lambos was the big D. I think it would depend on what you wanted to do. Do you want to go? Do you want to D, the D or do you want the forward? And for our group, we just felt we were in a in a scenario where we wanted we wanted a guy that we we felt was going to score and be an elite scorer at the next level. And he was a local local player too. We really liked him as a person. So that was the decision we made. You can really shoot the puck, counting three oh, goals, okay. four points, eight games with your team when he's actually come up this year. We're joined by Kurt Hill, the president GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Again, they start a Saturday night against Sean Cluston's Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, the Tigers under Bob Green were one of the first, well, even before Bob Green, dating all the way back to Rick Carrier, they were one of the first organizations to really emphasize speed, skill, and smaller players. Like they, you know, they, they had competitive small guys uh, with some skill. Have we seen a philosophical shift at the WHL level of movement to to more uh, skill and less concern about maybe size and character? For sure, yeah, for sure. I think that the the league's faster. It's way more skilled now, and the guys they play with way more creativity around the entire league. But I think at the same time, I would say that there's still, when I watch the OHL and the Q and the Q play, I still think in the Western League there's still an element of needing a physical presence and some size. And if you're if you're going to want to have an opportunity to win at the end, so I think in this league you still there's there's still a little bit of that toughness that's involved, and um, and not, that's not talking about the fighting side of things. That's just talking about you know the bumping and the grinding and the tough playoff series. So I think that's still an element in the Western League, and um, it's still the same medicine. That's still like the same model that they've had since as you were talking about there. They got an elite forward group. They're small, they're skilled, and and they play up tempo. So that's what we're going to see in the first round. Uh, and just speaking of the physicality, I saw your game against Cooney and Connor McLennan, who was a first round pick. I forget how high he went. I think he was a top five pick. He got the snot kicked out of him in that game. Like he opened himself up twice and just got abs. Uh, two of the hardest hits I've seen all year in junior hockey this year. Uh, best of luck. The schedule again for our listeners out there for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Yeah, we're at home on uh, Saturday night, seven thirty, and then home Sunday at six o'clock. So okay. looking forward to seeing our fans and, out here. And there is a playoff. Uh, if you purchase a playoff pass, there's a deal available at OilKings.ca. Yeah, there's a deal. It's um, I believe just around eighty dollars, and uh, you get that playoff. Pass gets you into every playoff game. Uh. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Throughout the entire playoff run. Kurt, keep your headset on for 29 seconds. We appreciate your time. Uh, we're going to head off to a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oil pizza, pizza pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store to this day in Oilers history for New West travel. Ask about their destination wedding packages and corporate employee reward trips. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information. On this date, uh, back in... 1998. So uh, what is today? March 21st, 1998. What happened? All right, Bob. Bob. Curtis Joseph sets an Oilers team record with his seventh shutout of the season and 18th of his career. That was in a 2-0 win over the St. Louis Blues here in Edmonton. Joseph broke his own record of six shutouts that he set the year before. Bit of a dead puck here. I think Tommy Salo had a bunch one year as well. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Call the destination wedding packages and corporate employee reward trips. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information. All right, let's get to our conversation with Blue Jackets analyst Jody Shelley. Well, Jody, thanks for taking time to join us again. Uh, I don't think anybody expected what we saw the last time these two teams played. That's two years in a row that Columbus has maybe played arguably one of their worst home games of the year against uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, since that game, how the Blue Jackets played? Not very good, to tell you the truth. It's been uh, it's been a team that we have a lot of expectations for. Uh, they've had their moments. Uh, they did play one of their best games. I can't remember now if it was before or after, but it was against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, um, when they kind of got things together, and we haven't seen that effort since. You're right. The Oilers, the game against the Blue Jackets in Columbus, smothered the team. They played a structured, committed, disciplined game, and they got scoring from their big boys. And it was uh, it was a lesson, I thought, for the Blue Jackets. But when those things happen to good teams or great teams, they learn from it and build from that point. And we're not seeing that. So it's been very inconsistent, uh, and they're coming off a loss the other night in Calgary. So, again, do not the, the Blue Jackets cannot look at the Oilers and think that's a, a team that's below them that they're just going to walk through because we might see the same thing that uh, happened in Columbus. What kind of stress or pressure is on this group given the fact that they you know they went out and got Matt Duchesne? I, I don't think they paid a mammoth price point, i got to tell you. Uh, and they got Ryan Zingle, who I think we all expect will sign in Columbus. But, you know, is there... Also, just given the scenarios that involve Panarin and Bobrovsky as well, I mean, there's four unrestricted free agents there. Maybe two of the four end up returning to Columbus. I don't know about that. I really, and I don't think they care. I think that they they just go play. They just complimented the players they had with Bobrovsky and Panarin, who will probably likely be moved on uh, by their decision at, at July 1st. Um, I, I just think that uh, these players now, this this team is the way it is. They've had the best goaltender they've ever seen in this organization uh, for the last few years and he's been remarkable. They have a game breaker in Panarin when he's playing on top of his game, which he's not playing there right now. He's not competing like we've seen in the past. But they went out and complimented what kind of pressure? I think it's. Uh, I think there's more of a pressure from the fan base and the organization because the expectations are high. Losing uh, four straight to the Capitals after being up 2-0 last year in the playoffs, uh, you have to wait all summer, all training camp, all regular season to kind of redeem yourself and show that you're, you've learned from it. And right now, if they don't find their discipline, 
game, like their structure game, uh, there might not even be a chance this year to get back in the playoffs. So pressure is high, urgency is high because of where they're at. Uh, but I think some of the players that have come in have put some more pressure on themselves, which uh, uh, is not great. The Oilers have felt an impact. Zach Cassian has played in the top six for a month and a half now. He's contributed some offense. He can skate. Uh, he's not a lead offensive player, but he can contribute, and he's certainly willing to engage. You have a player in Columbus that I love, and that's Josh Anderson. And a uh, guy that Scott Housen drafted when he was the GM. Uh, Housen was also the guy that acquired Bobrovsky, the two-time Besson Trophy winner. Just a thought on uh, a career season this year out of Josh Anderson. Well, if you go back to last year's uh, Vegas extraordinary season and William Carlson, William Carlson left unprotected, and everyone was wondering how could you let a guy like this go we have got 41 goals or 42 goals. It's because Josh Anderson is the big, fast, strong, uh, tough. I compare him to Tom Wilson. Uh, I think that I hope that Josh sees Tom Wilson, a player that he played against in junior, a guy that he fought in junior, and says, boy, I could be up around the five million range if I really apply myself for the next couple of years. Um, He's a guy that needs to figure out that he's a leader, and I think he has. Uh, you know, as a young guy, you love, it's so, I don't know, you want to be a follower a little bit because the older guys, you know, you always want to watch what the older guys do and how they lead and how they take control of the game, and then you follow. Well, Josh can be a leader. He's a guy that can get on the forecheck. He can bang. He can say in his actions, he can say to his group, all right, we're going to take this over. Follow me, boys. I'm going to roll my sleeves up, and here we go. Um, so I, that's what I think is the biggest thing with Josh. Plus, he's got a great relation, relationship with Torts. He asked Torts, don't let me go too far down a road if I'm doing bad habits. Stay on top of me, and let's keep communicating. And that's really helped Josh. And credit John Tortorella for saying, okay, you want it? I'm bringing it. But every couple of weeks they talk, and um, it, it's really helped Josh. All right, uh, two more questions for Blue Jackets television analyst, longtime NHLer Jody Schilling. Jody, speaking of torts, we have this perception, you know, this sort of at times acerbic, in your face American coach. Does acerbic mean like cranky? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, from your perspective, uh, what's he like to deal with on a day to day basis? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. He's a star. Um, you know, think about it, 82-game schedule, uh, you throw in, what, probably 80, I don't know how many practices. He sees the media every day. He get asked about everything every day. And a few moments where he's uh, maybe a little too honest or a little too emotional, he just gets added to his highlight reel, and he knows it exists. Uh, but other than that, and I don't see it as a flaw, he's a guy that's very consistent in his message to his players. I play for him in New York. He holds guys accountable. If you're not going, uh, he's not going to keep putting you on the ice. He's going to say, okay, you sit on this bench, and someone that a little further down on the depth chart is going to get an opportunity. So he's honest, and the first thing he said when he came to Columbus was uh, accountability. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really fancy and fun word to use, but no one wants to be the one to hold people accountable because it's hard, and a lot of times you're going to be lonely because everyone thinks you're, you're too mean. He said, but that's what he does, and he had to do that here, and uh, it's, it's been great. I, I love him. All right, uh, that is Jody Shelley, and that wraps up the Thursday edition of Oilers Now. I'd like to thank Brian Burke again for Canadian Power Pack uh, tomorrow. For our friends at River Cree Resort Casino, Elliot Friedman will be one of our guests. We will talk to Cassie Russell uh, about uh, the Oilers Ladies Toy Drive. It's taking place 
coming up Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. We will have somebody from the Senators organization on the show and more WHL talk with Red Deer Rebels play-by-play voice, longtime friend of the show, Cam Moon, to discuss uh, the picks and prognostications for the Western Hockey League playoffs. Also like to thank uh, on today's show, Reed Wilkins, Kurt Hill, uh, and Louis DeBrusque, as well as Brian Burke. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. I will join you tonight from Rogers Place from Studio 99 with Reed Wilkins at 5.30 for the Face-Off Show. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.